Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, before we start, I wanted to let you know that this interview was recorded a while ago. Since then, some of the projects our guests will talk about have evolved a bit. And also, we cut down 4,387,000,000 trees. Yeah, I know, that's an insane number, but it's true. Also, over 150 people died from wildfires, we hit record global temperatures, and a fuck ton of other terrible things have happened. Check the show notes if you want to see updates on anything we talk about on today's episode. Thanks for listening. I had the moment where I'm like, holy crap, we're, no one's paying attention. We're in real trouble here. What do I do? I make movies. So I wrote five, six different ideas for movies. And I just kept coming back to the idea that if a good portion of the movie could be funny, nothing is better at, you know, bringing people together than laughter. It's kind of the ultimate truth detector. We're fucked. Hi, I'm Chris Turney, and this is Unfucking the Future, a show about the climate crisis and what we can do about it. It's easy to get depressed about the climate. According to a host of recent scientific studies, this past year was the hottest ever recorded in human history. But now is not the time to despair, it's the time to get activated. And that's what this show is all about. Together, we really can unfuck this. Let's dig in. We're unfucking the future. Let's play a game, all right? Mm. On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. Good Good housekeeping. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John, John Samos. Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. That's a scene from the 2008 film Step Brothers. It stars John C. Riley and Will Farrell and was directed by our guest today, Adam McKay. He's since written, directed or produced projects like Succession, The Big Short and Anchorman. 
The man is a Hollywood legend. But he's not just a filmmaker. Adam McKay is also an activist, and he's tackling the climate crisis in his own particular way. He's storytelling. His most recent film, Don't Look Up, is an environmental allegory. He's used the success of that film to create Yellow Dot, a production studio that's fighting back against all that climate disinformation we see every day. So how did this comedy genius become a climate activist? It started back in 2008, when he was making a film about another global crisis, the mortgage bubble. We were making this movie, The Big Short. And, you know, because I have a job where I write scripts, I direct, it's not a regular nine-to-five job. Part of my job is to kind of just follow whatever interests me or I'm curious about. So I started reading some stuff that was really alarming. And I went from concerned giving money to holy crap, we are in trouble. I thought I have to be wrong. Like it can't Hmm. be this, you know, dire. Um, And so I started just talking to scientists and calling them. And I just kept double, triple checking the science. And every answer I got was worse than the one Mm. one before. Adam was digging himself deeper and deeper into a hole of climate anxiety. And suddenly, just giving money didn't seem like enough. He felt like he had to do something. And so he started writing. I heard there's an asteroid or a comet or something that you don't like the looks of. (sighs) Tell me about it. You got 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Go. That's a clip from Don't Look Up, Adam's record-breaking 2021 film. You can find it on Netflix. The movie's about two scientists who try to warn the media and mankind that there's an approaching comet that's going to destroy our planet. Now, you're never going to believe this, but no one listens. And then Dr. Mindy and Miss Dibioski, you'll come on and talk about that planet you discovered. Comet, we we found a comet. They know what we're here to talk about, right? Of course, Jack and Brie love doing science segments. Just remember, keep it light, fun. Jack and Brie love having a good time. Well, that's not promising. This is frighteningly close to how the world has dealt with global heating, or hasn't. Despite the decades of warnings from the scientific community, the reaction from world leaders has been more like tumbleweeds. Adam recognised that the climate crisis isn't just a scientific problem. It's actually a hearts and minds problem. It's making people care about this problem. And how's he doing it? Through storytelling. So uh, the story of that movie is obviously I had the moment where I'm like, holy crap, we're no one's paying attention. We're in real trouble here. What do I do? I make movies. And I just kept coming back to the idea that if a good portion of the movie could be funny, nothing is better at you know, bringing people together than laughter. It's kind of the ultimate Mm. truth detector. So I sort of settled on the comedy and then obviously we got into making it. Don't look up with such a big moment for climate scientists. I think we all owe you a 
huge thanks from the scientific community. Uh, I won't embarrass myself or you to ask if you saw my picture before you cast Leonardo. <laughs> you just <laughs> told me through a project. I mean, why did you choose a comet? Uh, my friend David Sirota, who's a journalist, uh, had made an offhanded comment to me about how it's like a meteorite's going to hit the planet and no one cares. And, yes. and I remember saying to him, you know, he was talking about climate, and I said, David, that's the movie. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, that's the movie. <laughs> and he's like, how is that a movie? I go, well, let me figure that out. What Adam wanted to get across was the urgency of a climate crisis. It's something that's happening right now. And there's nothing more urgent than a comet about to blast us all to oblivion. Uh, what would really surprise us would be a comet, because that could come from outside our solar system, and that would kind of blindside us. And what we liked about it was it was a, a familiar movie trope that a lot of us know. Yes. We've seen versions of disaster movies, whether it's an earthquake or Godzilla is going to attack a city. We're very comfortable with that as, as something that we know how that story plays out. Normally in a disaster flick, humanity comes together to save a day. But of course, in Don't Look Up, the opposite happens. So disrupting that story would feel weird to an audience and hopefully funny and maybe a little uncomfortable. Mm. And so that, that was really how I came upon it. It's headed directly at Earth. And it really likely will hit. This sounds very, very exciting. Exploding stars, like stars actually explode. So um, how big is this thing? Can it like destroy someone's house? Is that possible? Well, Comet Bibiaski, which is what it will officially be named, is somewhere. After her. After yeah, after her. Yeah, after oh, yeah. What an honor. Yeah, right. Congratulations. It's somewhere between six and nine kilometers across. So it's big. It would damage the the entire planet, not just a house. No. The entire planet. Okay, well, as it's damaging, will it hit this one house in particular that's right on the coast of New Jersey? It's my ex-wife's house that needed to be hit. Can oh, we make that happen? Once he had figured out his idea for the movie, Adam says the script just poured out of him. He was so inspired. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it was the craziest experience. I had it outlined, but then I went to this house we have by a lake in Ireland. And uh, I wrote the whole script in like four weeks. It was incredible. Wow. Just, just Did you really? Poured <laughs> out of me. I've, I've had that experience maybe one or two other times, but never like this. It was like a fever dream. So it, it was the fastest thing ever where we sent it to Leo. We sent it to Jen Lawrence. I think Jen Lawrence was first in. And then uh, Leo and Tyler Perry and all these great people. And then the release of it was its own crazy story, like nothing. Oh, my God, it was insane. In the movie, the media and the government all turn a blind eye to this comet that's about to wipe out the planet. And meanwhile, they're threatening the people who are trying to warn the public about the impending disaster. It's depressingly similar to what happened when the movie was actually released. Oh, my God, it was insane. When we did the theatrical release, 
We God, it was like I've gotten bad reviews before. Like I don't care when you do this as a job; you're yeah. used to it. But the, <laughs> these were <laughs> the nastiest reviews. Oh. Like they were so angry and personal. And welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> and That's amazing. I remember joking. <laughs> This must be what it's like. This must be what it's like to be a climate scientist for the past 20 years. Can I share with you, just for a moment, what bad reviews have looked like for climate scientists? Research funding's been blocked. Individuals have been publicly vilified. And of course, there's some good old gaslighting going on out there. President Trump just tweeted about the extreme cold slamming more than 17 million Americans tonight. His tweet also mocked the science of climate change. The president writes in the East, it could be the coldest New Year's Eve on record. Perhaps we could use a little bit of that good old global warming that our country, but not other countries, was going to pay trillions of dollars to protect against. Bundle up. There's an insane amount of misinformation out there. And there's a lot of companies and politicians who are making money with a status quo we now have. It's created a pretty toxic environment for those of us talking about climate. And apparently, also for those making movies about climate. Early reviews were quite mixed, with some critics describing it as too negative and even smug. Meryl Streep, I remember, was like, I don't understand. She's like, she was confused. Like, I saw the movie. This is not the movie I saw. But then a wonderful thing happened. We're unfucking the future. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're on fucking the future. We released it on Netflix worldwide, and it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. People in dozens of languages immediately identified with it, and it went on to become the number one movie in like 92 countries, which that doesn't happen with a comedy very rare. Comedy is very cultural. And then I started hearing stories that there were huge protests in France. The French protest is obviously so hyped up. Everyone's throwing banana skins. 
Mario Kart style. There's no police here, so they've started hurling bananas. I just got hit in the head with a banana skin. How politicians, police and the public around the world react is yet to be seen. But the past week has shown that climate protest is now made up of a whole ecosystem of tactics. And then climate scientists were like criticizing movie critics. Like there were these fights online. <laughs> like uh, George Mambiad wrote this beautiful piece, how the movie made him cry because it's, it had yeah. been his life for the previous 20 years. The response amongst my fellow scientists was quite amazing. And it takes a lot to get them excited. It was a special moment for many of us. Someone else understood and showed just how mad the last few decades have been. So it ended up being an experience like nothing I have ever had in making films and TV shows. Uh, you know, we're dealing with just a gargantuan force, you know, changing the livable climate. And it's amazing how much it just bats you around emotionally, how it plays with people's perceptions, how some people, you know, want to deny it. So, yeah, it's a wild, wild experience. There's no question. And the number one thing I've been trying to do through the whole thing is just keep my sense of humor. <laughs> it's not surprising Adam would prioritize his sense of humor considering his background. But he's also onto something in regards to how we humans are wired to communicate. If there's one failing we scientists have, is that we think that the only way to communicate the urgency of global heating is via facts and data. But research increasingly shows that these facts don't often change people's minds. If we really want people's attention, we need new strategies. We need empathy. We need common ground. We need to tell them stories. All this points back to a big lesson Adam learned, and we can take away too. What I learned is there is no one way to do it. Yes. This is a story that's got to be told in a thousand, a million different ways because, you know, seven billion people, the world is vast. There's so many different emotional mm. experiences. So what I learned with Don't Look Up is the way we told the story worked really well for the people it worked for. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, that's right. and that's great. So, yeah, the big lesson is, wow, there are a lot of different ways to tell this story for a lot of different people. One example is, you know, we do this prayer in the end of the movie uh, where Timothy Chalamet's character says a very sincere prayer mm. to God in this moment of collapse. Dearest Father and Almighty Creator, we ask for your grace tonight, despite our pride, your forgiveness, despite our doubt. And there's nothing funny or cynical about it. I mean, I wrote that as sincere as possible, but it never occurred to me that they were, of course, a duh, there would be tons of people of faith that would really connect with that moment. So I read some beautiful pieces in outlets that normally I don't think would even watch anything I make, like, you know, Christian News Monthly or you know, whatever, I'm making that up. And then I saw some responses to the movie from, believe it or not, right-wing corners of the world. And I saw, like, one guy who I'm sure his boss yelled at him afterwards— 
But he wrote this piece that was like the movie is ultimately calling for true accountability. And I was like, wow, this guy is writing for a magazine I find reprehensible. But he really got the movie. The end is so moving, Adam. The prayer is is beautiful. And Leonardo DiCaprio has a wonderful moment at the table. I I think he says something like, we really did have everything, didn't we? And oh. oh my God, it was so beautiful. It actually brought me to tears. And it was just an incredible emotional moment. It was just so real. The thing of it is, is we, we really, we really did have everything, didn't we? I mean, when you think about it. So I got to tell you this story of that line. So for me, the line in the end when I wrote it was Jen Lawrence saying, at least we tried. And that was the line when I was. Which is a great line. (laughs) But no, no, no. I I totally agree with you. So when I wrote that line at this lake house in Ireland, I had tears in my eyes. So then we're shooting the scene and DiCaprio comes up to me and he goes, you know, I love Jen's line, but is there a line that can really drive the loss home. And of course, I'm the writer of the script. I'm delighted with the line I've written. Mm -hmm. And so I tell him, (laughs) I go like, look, I think it works great. But if you want to try something, which is the way I work, I always let actors improvise. I go, if you've got something, let's film it. So he leaves, then he comes back, and I'm next to my Mm. script supervisor, Kate Hartman, who's hilarious from Texas, and uh, no BS calls everything like she sees it. And DiCaprio's like, you know, I came up with this line. Uh, What do you think of this? And he takes a beat, and he says, you know, right at the very end, I just say, wow, we really did have it all, didn't we? And he said, I don't, I don't, and Kate Hartman and I, both of us, tears in our eyes. And I'm like, uh, yeah, Leo, let's do that. Line. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Grudgingly. It's all right. <laughs> so that, like everyone oh, after they a... saw the movie was like, that was the line. And I go, you know, I cannot tell a lie. I did not script that. That was all Leo. And uh, I go, well, the only credit I'll give myself is I filmed it. I was smart enough yeah. to go. Well, you inspired him. Right? You inspired <laughs> him to you. come on. Thank you. I like the twist you're putting on. But it's so funny because it might be the single line from anything I've ever worked on that moves me the most. It hit me every single time I watched the movie when we were editing or screening it. Adam was encouraged by the success he saw with Don't Look Up, and this inspired him to start another big project. He founded Yellow Dot Studios. It's a non-profit production studio fighting against climate disinformation and inaction. One goal is educate on climate. There's still a remarkable amount of people, once again, because no functioning news media on it, that don't understand the the, the basics on uh, how the climate is warming. So that's a big thing. Communicate the mm-hmm. science. The other thing is to point to the cause, a.k.a. the villains, big oil, and the banks that fund them. They directly did this. They knew back in the 70s that it was happening. They chose to lie about it and keep making money. Okay, I need to interrupt for a second and underscore Adam's last point. 
The big oil companies have known about global heating for decades, and instead of trying to help, they covered it up. Which brings us to a segment we call, What the Fuck Are You Talking About? What the fuck are you talking about? You might assume that we've only known about global heating for a few decades. But actually, as far back as the 1880s, scientists knew that if we added carbon to the atmosphere, it could change our climate. Now fast forward to the 1970s. By that time, there was some amazing research being done to figure out what impact burning fossil fuels was having on the climate. Who was doing that research? ExxonMobil. Yes, that big oil company. And they confirmed by 1977 that global heating was real and was actually happening. So what did they do with this information? They spent millions and millions of dollars spreading lies and confusion about their own excellent research. The public started to hear about the changing climate in the 1980s. I was a nerdy teenager growing up in England, and I remember Margaret Thatcher, the British Prime Minister, giving several famous speeches about it. She spoke about the responsibility we had to balance economic growth with protection for the environment. But it must be growth which doesn't plunder the planet today and leave our children to deal with the consequences tomorrow. We are not the Lords. We are the Lords' creatures, the trustees of this planet. That clip was from a speech Thatcher gave in 1989. But here's the crazy thing. Since she gave that speech, humans have pumped more carbon into the atmosphere than we did in the entirety of history before 1989. In other words, most of the damage from burning fossil fuels has been caused after these big corporations knew exactly how harmful it was. It's absolutely criminal. And that's what the fuck we're talking about. What the fuck are you talking about? Okay, let's get back to Adam, who's actually trying to help us unfuck this. He's using his voice as a storyteller and an activist through his company, Yellow Dot Studios. We're working on numerous different climate projects. Um, we, I wrote a script called 2C uh, that's a spec script. 2C, is that two degrees centigrade yeah, warming? Correct, or correct. And yeah. uh, it's a big sort of climate epic uh, that's, you know, dramatic, funny, thrilling, um, that spans hundreds of years of climate change. And then I'm working on another script about the corruption that has stopped action on climate, and it's a comedy. It's about a serial killer that hires a lobbyist to make it easier for him to kill. And, uh, <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Rob Pattinson, Robert Downey Jr., uh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Forrest wow. Whitaker, Amy Adams, oh. Danielle Deadweiler, this incredible cast has signed up. It's definitely one of the main thrusts of every single thing I'm doing just because it feels ridiculous to be alive at this uh, giant, you know, seismic moment mm. and not to at least somewhat address it with anything we're doing. It feels like a lot of stuff that doesn't is going to feel awfully irrelevant in uh, the next couple years. So we always at least yeah. try and have it next to a project we're doing, if not directly in the middle of it. One thing I really like here 
is that Adam's infusing the story of a climate crisis into almost every project that he's working on. He's also connecting people with resources for them to make positive changes in their communities. If you follow Yellow Dot on social media, you'll find lots of ways to get connected to activism work. And that's a lesson for all of us. It's keeping the story at the top of everyone's minds and doing it in a way that's useful, helpful, and most important of all, engaging. We can all do that, even if we aren't a famous director hanging out with movie stars. We can communicate the story, and then collectively, we can turn that awareness into action. I have good news for you on that front too, because it turns out that in order to change things, we don't need to convince everyone that global heating is a crisis. We might just need 3.5%. What I'm talking about is a 3.5% rule. It's an idea based on research done at Harvard by Erica Chenoweth. She's looked at non-violent protests over this last century and found that they almost always bring about regime change when at least 3.5% of the population are taking part. We just need 3.5% of us willing to stand up and tell our governments that we need action now. So I guess my question is, why aren't 3.5% of us taking to the streets right now to fight for climate action? In the US, that looks like 10 million people, which does feel like a lot. But if you think about your city, let's take Boston. To get real change, it might only take 22,000 people there to rise up and demand stronger action on the climate crisis from the government. And honestly, to me, that really doesn't seem impossible. Well, I mean, here's the good news. It's already happening. There have already been successes. There was an incredible protest. I'm trying to remember the country. Was it Norway or Sweden that they did against private planes that garnered worldwide attention? And afterwards, there were laws passed restricting use of uh, private jets. So I just tell everyone, I go, look, just show up at the march. They're nonviolent. Doesn't mean that cops aren't going to show up and get really pissed and they do arrest people, but you're going to make friends. You're going to meet people that feel like a lot like you do. I have made so many incredible friends, uh, taken so much comfort from it. So people ask what they can do, show up for declare emergency, climate defiance, extinction rebellion, just stop oil, all these incredible groups that are out there. I mean, that's something you can do that we know, like you said, according to actual studies of the data, Mm. really does work far better than signing an online petition or, you know, which that's fine, do that too. But that's like a thousandth of the impact of uh, showing up for these uh, nonviolent, disruptive marches. They're so powerful. Oh, Adam, this is just so inspirational. Just before we sign off, could I just ask your advice as a, as a master communicator? How do we reach people in our lives who don't yet care about the issue? Um, so, yeah, you kind of read it and react. I love basketball, and basketball is a read and react game. When you catch the ball, mm. how close is your defender? Where's the defender behind them? Is anyone open? And so it's a read and react kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, you don't want to be going around putting people into tears if they're having a hard time. No. But um, always, if you can do it with a little bit of, like, laughing at yourself 
or humor. That's yes. fantastic. And then sometimes I'll just drop one piece of information on them. Like if I'm talking to someone who thinks, you know, Joe Biden's not a Republican, so he's fixed everything. I'll say, you know, actually, Joe, Joe Biden has approved more oil drilling leases than Trump did. And they'll go, that's wow. not true. And I'll go, yeah, it actually <laughs> is. And that will hopefully kind of push them towards like, you're not going to solve this through a one party versus the other lens. Yes. And then there are times I need the people around me to help me and tell me like, hey, McKay, calm down. <laughs> you're not mm. going to solve no, it's, it's so true, isn't it? We need, we do need each other because it's, it's pretty, it's pretty sobering what we're going through at the moment. And, and I just love that reading a room, empathy, a little bit of humor, self irreverence is uh, always really. Uh, it helps cut through a lot of conversations. I always say, like, the most frustrating thing about all of this is we have the science. Like, we've had it the whole time. Yes. We could have yeah. <laughs> switched from fossil fuels and gone to solar panels, oh. wind, like hydro. We could have been developing new technologies. Like, you know, science is our Excalibur, man. It's our secret weapon. It's true. We just didn't use it because those big... Oil companies paid everyone off not to use it. So that both infuriates me and gives me a lot of hope. We're on fucking the future. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're on fucking the future. I have to say, I've really enjoyed my conversation with Adam McKay. He's proving how powerful storytelling can be in the fight against global heating. And it's a reminder that our words matter. Which brings us to our final segment. What the fuck can I do? So this is a part of a show where we tell you one thing you can do to get involved. And since you were so brilliant last episode, we've asked Maggie Baird to come back on the show each week to help us with a segment. Hey, Maggie. Hi, how's it going? (laughs) Great. It's great to have you back here. Maggie, what have you got for us this week? Okay, since Adam's interview was all about the power of words and storytelling, I want to recommend that we all do something super simple. 
And that is this. We need to stop saying climate change. Let's call it what it is, global heating, or for fuck's sake, a climate crisis. And why is that important? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you know why everybody says climate change? So back in the day, we used to say global warming or greenhouse effect. But then a Republican political strategist named Frank Lutz got involved. And in 2002, Frank wrote a famous internal memo about how Republican candidates should speak about the environment. And I'm going to read this bombshell to you. Quote, while global warming has catastrophic communications attached to it, climate change sounds a more controllable and less emotional challenge, end quote. So basically, he recommended that politicians downplay the climate crisis by changing what we call it. Holy fuck, honestly. Wow, wow. Yeah, so get this. President George W. Bush switched from saying global warming to saying climate change. And now we all say it. Everyone says it. Gosh. It's crazy. The United States is committed to strengthening our energy security and confronting global climate change. And the best way to meet these goals is for America to continue leading the way toward the development of cleaner and more energy efficient technology. The term climate change is intentionally misleading. It's part of the disinformation campaigns that we are all subject to. So can we please call the problem what it is. It is a climate crisis caused by global heating. We need to put a label on the problem that sounds like the problem that it is, the problem we need to solve urgently. Thanks, Maggie. That is so important. And that's such a great idea. And that's what the fuck you can do. That's all for this episode. Next time on Unfucking the Future, I'll talk with UN Goodwill Ambassador Sabrina Elba about the impact of a climate crisis on Somalia, where her family is from. And we'll dig into why women and girls are at the forefront of a fight against global heating. I'll never forget this image of this swampland in Sierra Leone that was converted into rice farms. And seeing the before and after, I could not believe that land that was so degraded and so turned into this massive community with, with women farming. And I always thought that was so amazing. And it just goes to show like even things like land degradation, like we need rural people to restore uh, the world through nature-based solutions. Like mm. Nature-based solutions are such a big part of it. And who else is going to protect these areas? They're the genuine custodians of our planet, rural people. Mm. Until then, I'm Chris Turney signing off from Sydney, Australia. Thanks for joining me in Unfucking the Future. We're unfucking the future. Unfucking the Future is produced by Imagine Audio and Awfully Nice for iHeart Podcasts and hosted by me, Chris Turney. The show is written by Meredith Bryan. Unfucking the Future is produced by Amber von Schassen and Rene Colvert. Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Cara Welker and Nathan Clokey are the executive producers from Imagine Audio. Jesse Burton and Katie Hodges are the executive producers from Awfully Nice. 
Sound design and mixing by Evan Arnett. Original music by Lily Hayden and producing services by Peter McGuigan. Sam Swinnerton wrote our theme and all those fun jingles. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review Unfucking the Future on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.